Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And I might, I just might, have real footage of a fairy. Now, I know, I know some of you are thinking, Oh, good Lord, Joshua, have you finally lost your damn mind? But hang on a second, and let me point out a few, a few things. Okay, for one thing... I was just recently talking about the idea of little people and fairy folk around St. Patrick's Day. So, you know, we kind of talked already about how maybe, maybe it's possible that such little life forms exist. Little semi-humanoid life forms exist. And little, you know, we're talking, who knows? Who knows how little? You remember Horton, here's a who, a person's a person, no matter how small. But there was a time when if you had said to me, oh, I have fairies in my woods, I would have rolled my eyes. You could have heard my eyes roll back. But the reality is, as I have gotten older and I have opened my mind a little bit more based upon research and experiments and I've seen more and more about the reality of interdimensional phenomena and therefore interdimensional life, um, I think, look, who am I? How, how arrogant would I be to say I am this godlike, omniscient being who knows what all life forms are possible throughout this vast and incomprehensible universe? What an asshole I would have to be to actually believe that I could be the judge of that, regardless of what humans do or do not know, maybe we're just fortunate that we sometimes get a glimpse of some of these other little life forms that flit in and out of our experience as humans. And maybe, well, we will start documenting more of this stuff now that our research is becoming more in-depth, cameras are everywhere, people are becoming a little more open and inquisitive about what's possible because we're learning new things every day so and but look you know you've heard let your brain be open or let's let you know have it have an open mind but don't let your brains fall out that kind of thing right and in fact in one of my books called pet ghosts animal encounters from beyond the grave i wrote about a funny experience that I had because that book, even though it's called Pet Ghost, that was more of a marketing move. It's really just about animal ghosts in general, non-human ghosts in general. And I get into every kind of animal you can imagine, certainly every kind of animal I could imagine, including things that may or may not be real, like cryptids. And so I talked about this time when Lauren and I went out into the wilderness of Western North Carolina to this very weird compound <laughs> um, where people claim that they have fairies that appear a certain time of year and float around. And long story short, um, these were just lightning bugs, but not your usual kind. I mean, they're a little different because they had lights that had, uh, to my eye, a bit more of a bluish glow and they didn't flicker as much. Um, so they were an, an unusual species, but I think that's sort of known by scientists, you know, biologists, that this is there uh, in that area at that time of year. So to see a bunch of people there who were literally believing these were fairies um, was was odd, was odd. Um, so I am very familiar with people seeing 
something that is an obvious insect by our standards and claiming it's some kind of a magical little being like a fairy so i trust me i understand that and i make that distinction you guys know me well enough now to know that i am i'm as much of a pragmatic researcher as i can be i do incorporate scientific thinking as much as possible but i'm also very well aware of its limits so when people tell me they have a fairy on camera usually i'm immediately i'm like oh this is probably an insect or something else maybe you know sometimes you get little seeds and stuff that float around and um so i got this email that i'm about to tell you about and um one of the things i love about podcasting is back in the old days of radio broadcasting radio guys they didn't talk about footage you know footage and pictures because they're doing a radio show how are they what's the point of telling you about something for an hour or two or three or whatever if they can't show it to you and most of them did not have a tv show so in the days before the internet radio people wouldn't really talk too much about footage it just didn't make sense and then tv people would not be able to delve into a lot of the topics that radio people could get into because in TV you have to show everything and if you don't have something to show well you don't want to you don't bring it up so that's the beauty of living in this day and age where we have the internet now which is this just perfect balance of media in so many ways so that I can basically give you the experience of a radio show basing it upon the content of a TV show because you might not be able to go right now and look at this footage, but you'll be able to when you get a chance, and I'll tell you how to see it. One thing that I always look for when I'm trying to analyze a piece of footage is um, who shot it. You know, that, I mean, you have to start with just the basics, like you're some kind of a, a journalist, just getting the, the facts straight. So I know the person who shot this. He is a friend of mine, Okay. And not only is he a very accomplished friend, but he is, among many things, and and I I don't want to give away too much about what he does, but uh, what I will say is that he is a professional artist, okay? He's a professional artist. And part of what he does is analyze things in nature. And so he has an eye that is certainly more discerning than the average person's eye. So when he sent this to me, immediately I took it seriously because this tells me right off the bat, I know this guy. He, Like I say, he's a friend. I know what he does. So I didn't even have to worry about the authenticity of the footage. So that, boom, that's out of the way. His name, uh, he, he said I could tell you, his name is Corby Waste. Corby Waste is his name. He lives in California. He shot this footage in his backyard in Altadena, California, which is there in the L.A. area. And he says that he, he's, he doesn't remember exactly when he shot it. It's been some years ago. He said he thought it was sometime between 2008 and 2011. And I'll just read you part of the email that he sent me. He said, what was this flying thing in my backyard? It looked like a dandelion seed flying around because of the wind but then it seemed to be something more interesting i was busy filming it and i couldn't really see what was at the center of it 
watching the video, it's possible to see that it seems to be fluttering at the center. He said, I wish I had sharper video of this, but this is all I have. The wind doesn't make dandelion seeds do what this thing did, so I think it's something very unusual, but I don't know what. My backyard garden was a wild, natural sanctuary composed to most backyards, so maybe that attracted something that seeks out wild places. And uh, so we started corresponding about this. And, you know, the thing is, as soon as I, I got this email from him, I immediately thought, this is going to be a, an insect. And, and it shows you he's using critical thinking right up front. You know, he's using critical thinking. And which is not surprising because even though he's an artist, he also uh, works on projects that have a very scientific component. All right. And so still, I can't help myself. When somebody sends me footage and says, I think I have a fairy, I mean, I, I'm figuring 99% chance this is going to be an insect. So I started watching the video. And as soon as I started the video, I was like, yep, this is an insect. But then I kept watching the video. And then I kept watching the video. And it's not that long. Um, I don't know how long it is, but it's not that, maybe it's like a minute or two. And then I, I was like, you know what? This thing is not behaving like an insect. It's actually not looking like insect footage looks, at least most of the footage that I've seen. And it's and certainly a seed would not behave this way. And by the time I got done watching it, I'm going, what the fuck? So then I sat down and I showed it to Lauren. And at first, Lauren was saying, well, you know, maybe that's got to be an insect. And then she's like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> so basically... I I did a, a whole 180 from at first being like, it's got to be an insect, to now I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, this thing doesn't really behave like an insect. And, and again, it doesn't behave like a seed, in my opinion. So, look, when I find something that makes me scratch my head, and I get permission to 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 take this route, I like, you know, as a part of my analyzation process, to put it out there to you. Uh, I mean, look, I can sit down with 10 different experts in different fields and we can tear this thing apart and analyze it and break it down and all that. And I can say, well, this person thinks this and this person thinks that. And that's all fine. But how foolish would I be if I have the ability, the permission to just put this out there? And uh, and I don't do that, you know, when I have so many people all around the world who can look at this and give different opinions. So I tell you what, Corby Waste has given me and therefore all of us he told me explicitly I could share this with you. He listens to this podcast. As a matter of fact, Corby and I have worked together on some projects, and he's just a great guy in general. So you'd love, uh, hopefully you'll meet him someday. He also is a buddy of uh, Jimmy Church, and uh, Jimmy Church, another great great guy. If you've never heard Jimmy Church, you got to listen to his program. Um, so Corby gave me permission to post this. It's posted on my Twitter account in conjunction with this podcast. It's uh, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren. And I don't, you know, my my understanding is you don't have to sign up for Twitter to just go and look at somebody's tweets. 
Okay. I, I don't think there's a problem doing that. Um, sometimes it's hard to judge because when you were a member of something, sometimes it just sort of automatically logs you in. But as far as I know, you don't have to be a member of Twitter. But you, if you listen to this podcast, you may as well be. I mean, some people have contacted me and said, I don't do Twitter or any, any of that, but I signed up on Twitter just so I could follow one person, and that's you. And you can do that. All you do is you go on, you, it's free, you sign up, and then you follow one person, and that's me, Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and that's it. And all you will get is notifications from me, and then those can be things that only pop up when you check your Twitter account, or you can set it up to get like a text when when there's a tweet. So that's just, you know, you don't have to do that. Many, many, many people who listen to this podcast do not follow me on Twitter or don't even have a Twitter account. That's just one easy way of you seeing some of the stuff that I have to post. So go there to Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, or if you go to joshuapwarren.com, you can scroll down and you can see my Twitter link there, and you'll be able to watch this video that Corby Waste shot in his backyard of what may be a fairy. Now ask yourself this question. If the Tinkerbell phenomenon is real, Let's just, this is high, totally hypothetical. If it is possible that there could be such a thing as Tinkerbell, like a little humanoid figure fluttering little wings with a little glow, maybe a little aura, some magic around it. If you filmed that, what would it look like? Well, it'd probably look a hell of a lot like a bug, wouldn't it? And you know, especially from, you know, the the perspective of the human the untrained eye but you could also say if you were an alien and you came here and you started shooting footage you might uh, see uh, humans all over the place and then one day you get footage of a gorilla and you just assume well this is a human because they look a hell of a lot like a human but obviously there's something extremely different uh, a big difference between a human and a gorilla. But if, if if you're just sort of like casually looking into this, you might assume a gorilla is a human just because we resemble each other. But it may not be the case. So look, again, keep your mind open. Watch this footage. Say to yourself, okay, could this be a bug? If, you know, would a bug behave like this? Could this be a seed floating around? Would it, would that, would it behave like this? Could this be some other form of optical illusion you know, ask yourself all these questions. But just know that if you trust my opinion, I'm telling you, at least you know right off the bat that this footage is authentic. You know who it came from, you know where it was shot, and all that kind of stuff. So I look forward to getting your feedback on that. You can tweet your your thoughts right there, uh, or if you want, you can always go to joshuapwarren.com and email me. You'll find my email address there on the website if you just scroll down to the bottom. But when it comes to footage of insects, I mentioned on my last podcast that, you know, the other night, Lauren and I were driving home and we passed the Luxor Pyramid, which has the brightest light in the world shining as just an intense beam straight from the apex of the pyramid up in up into the sky you know just 
parting the inky blackness and how that this is just the perfect time of year where there is this natural phenomenon i mean i mean this is sort of this is the kind of thing that really could be featured in national geographic or whatever where millions and millions and millions of moths just they're all born and they come and they cluster around this light and the light doesn't even look like a light anymore from certain points of view it just it almost looks like it's a physical fountain or something and i don't know how many moths are in this light but it becomes a uh, definitely a buffet uh, a banquet for the bats around here and which is really great because i i swear it makes me think maybe every major town needs a big ass pyramid in the middle of it with a huge light shining up just to attract all the bugs and then you don't have to deal with the bugs the bats have plenty to eat i think the ecosystem would function properly and so maybe that should be one of my wacky plans right i travel around from city to city and i say listen folks give me some taxpayer money i'll build this huge pyramid here it'll take all the uh all the mosquitoes and all the other nasty critters out of your backyard and put them over there where the bats can eat them and then i get to go inside and do fun experiments in this big ass pyramid that's a good business plan isn't it i posted footage though of the phenomenon so once again it, it's a short uh piece of footage i actually had it shot from different uh, angles with different kinds of cameras so the footage is i don't know maybe a minute go look at this footage though seriously watch this footage and imagine the magnificence of actually standing there you know in 3d real time and looking up and watching this phenomenon all these moths cluster around this giant light it's crazy it's crazy uh that will also be posted on my twitter account there when it comes to things in the sky in general that have been making some headlines have you seen the footage of the experiment that nasa did in the sky over norway now this is interesting on a number of levels because for one thing don't forget that norway is also where we have the hestelen lights which is kind of a sister phenomenon to the brown mountain lights so whatever the brown mountain lights are the hestelen lights seem to be similar the biggest difference is that the brown mountain lights happen on a mountain in the on a ridge you know and then the hestland lights happen in a valley so the biggest difference is just you know elevation you know one is up and the other is down but still we're talking about a change in contrast geographically geologically speaking and so uh, the Hestelin lights have, have always been of interest, and I don't know if you can say this is directly related to the experiment that NASA has done or not, but in Norway, of course, you, under the right conditions, can see the northern lights, the aurora borealis, one of the most spectacular things that a human could ever witness, and something that would have blown the mind of any ancient person for damn sure, okay, for damn sure, and so nasa uh has an explanation for what i'm about to describe uh and i i picked this up first from the coast to coast am 
com website says here, um, okay, well, look, people who didn't know what was going on in Norway, they went outside last Friday night, and they looked up, and they saw one of the craziest things ever that would freak just about anybody out. And uh, there are a couple of clips, video clips here, and let me do my best to describe for you what you would have seen without telling you any kind of an explanation. Just imagine that you go outside... And you see this moving, luminous display. And by moving, I mean, it seems to me like this takes place over a matter of minutes. Maybe maybe it's longer. Uh, maybe it's hours. But I, would, I certainly would say minutes. I get the impression that this is minutes. So you look up in the sky, and what you basically see developing, like forming in front of you, are two gigantic purplish clouds side by side. And then below those clouds, each one has about five or six bright turquoise balls of light. And then below those, each has a bunch of white light squiggles and the whole thing is kind of drifting and moving a little bit so basically if I were going to put on my writer's cap and try to describe this to you I would say imagine you look up over the horizon and you see the eyes of a monster two big cloudy purple eyes in the sky and underneath we have their bright turquoise tears streaming down from those eyes and then below those tears we have the shimmering puddle that's forming from the white light reflecting yeah I think that's it see I get paid to write I'm a professional writer so I don't know, like, that that's the best I can do for you. There's also, like, a purple cloud that goes drifting away from this whole thing to the right. So you've got all this stuff happening in the sky. But you need to go see this footage. So, okay, what the hell would you think that was? You're in the middle of nowhere in Norway. It's not like there's a fireworks show happening down the road. What is this? Well, turns out NASA, they've said, oh, yeah, this you know this is this is what we did uh we launched two rockets from a spaceport there as part of an experiment to interact with the northern lights the rockets from what they call the azure mission a z u r e azure mission the rockets released visible gases that illuminated the aurora borealis and created a surreal display and um there are a couple of videos here yeah they created glowing clouds to and they say they you're like why are you doing this they say it's to study and track the flow of particles in the ionosphere okay well that that's an interesting thing we're starting to pay more attention to the ionosphere the electromagnetic the electrostatic i mean 
The ionosphere is primarily electrostatically charged particles that are very dynamic around the Earth, and it's pretty cool that we're, we're taking uh, a closer look at that. I mean, there are two videos here, and one of them you can see, like, right after they do the experiment. And uh, then the aurora borealis itself kicks in, and just it's an amazing sort of green stream of light shooting across the horizon. It's quite incredible. But now, you see, you can look at this. And by the way, that there's no telling how much that costs. There's no telling how much it costs for them to do that. Now, why, at this time, would that kind of money be spent on something like that? And you probably didn't even hear about it. Um, I can see why they, the, probably, probably, they would be like, okay, well, we have climate scientists. And uh, they're trying to figure out what's happening here with this uh, climate change, global warming situation, and so we need to see how it's affecting the ionosphere. Okay, fine. That that you know that sounds like a reasonable explanation. But as soon as I watched this, I could not help but think about two other things. So now let me just bring up what the conspiracy theorist would think about this. Number one, of course, you have to think about the HARP project. And if you don't know what HARP is by now, just go look it up. H-A-A-R-P. And how that you can actually turn the, the Earth itself into... Um, let me put it this way. You can turn the ionosphere around the Earth into a giant global weapon. And it can be used subtly in order to induce changes in how you think and feel... Maybe you've seen some of these headlines about some of these U.S. diplomats that have been in, like, Cuba and maybe China and some other countries, and they believe they're being attacked with some kind of an electromagnetic, some kind of an energy device. I mean, they don't know what it is exactly, but, you know, they're assuming it's something um, electromagnetic, like a microwave-type thing, and uh, it's making them uh, feel so harmed so damaged that you know they're they're asking to get their hospital bills paid i mean 60 minutes did a whole thing about this recently so that would be like the subtle way you could target a whole community of people if you can manipulate how uh, electricity and electrical phenomena bounce off the ionosphere but you could get even more extreme and you could create a giant discharge like a capacitor discharge between the Earth and the ionosphere and basically have a blast of lightning come down, like a city-sized blast of lightning, like the the fury of God. You know, Zeus just throws down a damn thunderbolt and just a lightning flash happens and poof, fucking, like, you know, carbonizes a whole city in an instant without without the radioactive repercussions you can see why that would be attractive but i think that the really die hard true conspiracy aficionado the the creme de la creme would say this is another big step in the realization of project bluebeam okay project bluebeam now i've talked about this before and uh, this is based upon the work of a, uh, a theorist 
a Canadian man named Sergei Monast. He died in 1996. He's best known for writing this book called Project Bluebeam, parentheses, NASA. And his big theory that he was running around promoting was that one of the big ultimate goals of, of NASA was to work with the United Nations in order to create gigantic illusions in the sky. Illusions that are so powerful, so convincing, that ultimately they would attempt to create the return of Jesus Christ as a huge sort of holographic apparition and start a new world order using our naive beliefs that in other words you have a big chunk of people out there who are who are literally waiting for Christ to return and that they believe in it so much and they envision it as like a gigantic luminous holographic hello everyone I am Jesus it echoes in the canyons as he speaks from way up there and you say oh wow Jesus that's what you would say when you saw Jesus by the way you'd say Jesus he would he's so big you know in the clouds and in the sky and he's glowing and he says ah forget what this guy says that's all over now you just have to listen to Jesus now and here's what you do and he says you need to pay uh, 200 times more in your taxes. And the people say, okay, Jesus, yeah, whatever, you know. So that's the idea that, you know, behind Project Bluebeam, that Jesus or something similar can be created. Now, you could do this in a number of different scenarios. But if you can learn to turn the sky into a giant canvas that you can paint upon with this huge palette of various ionospheric colors, then you could do everything from convincing people like their cavemen to believe in this, or you could even go so far as to just put a big old Coca-Cola commercial up there. You know, you come to the Super Bowl and you look up and I'll be damned. The whole sky is just nothing but a big old Coca-Cola commercial. You know, uh, is there something to this? Hell yeah, there is. Hell yeah. So maybe that's what they're up to. Maybe it's something a little less sinister and corrupt. I, look, I'm just telling you, this is what's happening. I'll share the link with you. You can look at it and you can decide for yourself where you think this is going. I tend to think most of the time when people say we're doing this for, for such and such reason, um, they're, they're probably doing it for that reason. I, I really think that most people are, are more and more transparent all the time. In fact, if anything, people are getting overly transparent. They're showing too much. You know, you can't watch the, the news without, oh, here's a new picture of this person naked. Um, so people are probably going a little too far with transparency. So that makes me feel less concerned about the conspiratorial stuff. But technologically, it's there and it can happen. So 
interesting, like, I guess one of the themes throughout this podcast is just looking at images of stuff, uh, whether it's in your backyard or in the sky or somewhere in between, like the column of light. I'm glad it's working out that way, but I have to wrap this up here, and so uh, let me share a couple of things with you. I just recently was able to, of course, sit down and go through some of the pictures and footage and update some of the websites from the fun that we had over the weekend and doing the, the debut of the big creepy Vegas paranormal experience. So here's a piece of footage that I posted. It's, it's very short. It's called how to use your body as a ghost meter because you know people they go out and they buy a lot of expensive equipment and then they they have apps they download on their phone and they're wondering is this app worth a shit or not and half the time it's not um but there is a a simple way like on the fly that you can use your body as a ghost meter and so when we do the creepy vegas tour especially because we're here in the desert and it's so dry there's this very simple technique you can use. You can learn it in 60 seconds to turn your body into a, a more sensitive ghost meter. And so we start the tour out by telling people about this to enhance the probability that they'll know when they're feeling something weird and they can get a, a picture of something paranormal. So I videotape this portion of Nick Weird, who is our guide, Nick Weird, telling people about this technique. And I put it on the internet for free. If you want to watch this video, all you have to do is go to creepyvegas.com. C-R-E-E-P-Y. Creepyvegas.com. Scroll down and you'll see the little video clip where he gives his lesson on how to use your body as a ghost meter. And you'll see also some other pics from the first tour, the debut tour, and how many people we had and how much fun everybody was having. Um, and then I posted another video. I know, I'm just like blowing your mind. I'm, I'm giving you too much to look at, but just, you have to see it all. you know. Or maybe one thing or another will catch your, your mind, your interest. I told you that I hit a jackpot um, right after I saw the moths. And the funny thing is, I don't usually whip out a cell phone and document any kind of gambling action in the casino. Anytime you start recording things in a casino, you're taking a risk that somebody's going to come and say, please put that away. Because I'm sure they're having a harder and harder time enforcing that. But I mean, I've, I've been asked many times, sir, you have to put that camera away. You can't, whether you have a camera or your cell phone, they come out and they say, you cannot be filming in here. So... I decided I was just going to sneak this in, though, because I was on a Ghostbusters machine. And I'm like, man, how fitting is that? I love the game Ghostbusters in the casino. You can see why I would be playing Ghostbusters. And so I actually I had my video camera because I was filming the moths. So I was like, damn, I'm going to just go for it. So I so I hit the thing, and, it, and then you see the numbers flying. And uh, so I videotaped like the amount of money actually being won so that you know that I don't bullshit you when I tell you these stories and then I actually printed out the um, amount of money and I put that on camera so I documented it I documented it I got the money and I left and everything was fine of course this was like in the middle of the night (laughs) if you would like to see 
the little clip of me hitting this footage excuse me me hitting the uh <laughs> the clip of me hitting this jackpot the footage what you need to do is go to joshuapwarren.com and click the link to the curiosity shop now i will tell you that i was using something from my curiosity shop that night when i hit the jackpot and and by the way, when I say jackpot, look, am I talking about a million dollars? No. What I'm saying is I, I took out a $20 bill, I put it in the machine, and next thing you know, I have over $1,000, okay? So what I want you to do is um, I want you to go there and realize that I used something from the Curiosity Shop, but I don't want to tell you exactly what I used. And, and here's the reason. There are a lot of things in the Curiosity Shop Almost everything in the Curiosity Shop will help you increase your luck and your abundance. And I don't want to tell you what to go for. I want you to go there and I want you to find the thing that connects with you. The thing that attracts your attention. The thing that you gravitate toward. And I, and also, you know, my philosophy on gambling is like, look, you shouldn't ever use gambling as your gauge of success. I don't care what gambling you're doing, if you're doing a slot machine or a table game or whatever. These are games. That means they have rules. That means there are restrictions. That means there are controlling factors there that are set in stone. And so um, really these things that help you manifest stuff, what they do is they help you attract more abundance in general. And so that is something that is, is really meant to just flow into your life on a day-to-day basis as you start um, sort of taking advantage of opportunities that will sort of magically start presenting themselves. So I, I always hate to to use my success with gambling as an example of, of abundance because uh, it, it's really just a very, it's, a, it's kind of a cheap shot really because here I am in Las Vegas and so, you know, I have easy access to gambling machines. And also, um, it's just a very quick way to demonstrate for you, like, look, something is happening here. But but that's really not the point. The point is, okay, you can win $1,000, great. That might help you pay your rent or whatever, but that's not going to change your life. The point is to to get into a long-term flow a long-term connection that starts bringing abundance to you in a real healthy rewarding consistent way that changes your life and your interaction with other people that's the big picture here so i always hesitate to show you you know these little wins here and there but it's fun it's exciting again it's a game it's a game so if you go to joshuapwarren.com there's no period after the p Click the uh, link to the Curiosity Shop. Scroll down there. You'll and look at it, look at everything and see if something connects with you. But certainly, watch the little video of me at like three o'clock in the morning. Yes, I've uh, had a few glasses of wine, so uh, <laughs> but you will see me hitting a nice little jackpot there. Um, when you are at joshuapwarren.com, don't forget to click the link to this podcast called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short, always free, independent, uncensored. And I have so much crazy shit that I'm going to be telling you about 
over the next few weeks especially, you definitely want to make sure you are following this podcast one way or another. If you click the link to this podcast, Joshua P. Warren Daily, you can subscribe through various means. Or like I say, you can also just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.